Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The Law School of America Malicious Prosecution Malicious prosecution is a common law intentional tort. While like the tort of abusive process, its elements include, 1. Intentionally, and maliciously, instituting and pursuing, or causing to be instituted or pursued, a legal action, civil or criminal, that is, 2. Brought without probable cause and, 3. Dismissed in favor of the victim of the malicious prosecution. In some jurisdictions, the term malicious prosecution denotes the wrongful initiation of criminal proceedings, while the term malicious use of process denotes the wrongful initiation of civil proceedings. Criminal prosecuting attorneys and judges are protected from tort liability for malicious prosecution by doctrines of prosecutorial immunity and judicial immunity. Moreover, the mere filing of a complaint cannot constitute an abusive process. The parties who have abused or misused the process have gone beyond merely filing a lawsuit. The taking of an appeal, even a frivolous one, is not enough to constitute an abusive process. The mere filing or maintenance of a lawsuit, even for an improper purpose, is not a proper basis for an abusive process action. Declining to expand the tort of malicious prosecution, a unanimous California Supreme Court in the case of Sheldon Opel Company v. Albert and Olicker, 1989, observed, while the filing of frivolous lawsuits is certainly improper and cannot in any way be condoned, in our view the better means of addressing the problem of unjustified litigation is through the adoption of measures facilitating the speedy resolution of the initial lawsuit and authorizing the imposition of sanctions for frivolous or delaying conduct within that first action itself, rather than through an expansion of the opportunities for initiating one or more additional rounds of malicious prosecution litigation after the first action has been concluded. Origins. The tort originates in the, now defunct, legal maxim that the king pays no costs, that is, the crown could not be forced to pay the legal costs of a person it prosecuted, even if that person was found innocent. As the London Magazine stated in 1766, if a groundless and vexatious prosecution be commenced in the king's name, his ministers who commenced, or advised commencing that prosecution, ought at least to be obliged to pay the costs which an innocent subject has thereby been put to. U.S. Use of English Rule 16 U.S. states require another element of malicious prosecution. This element, commonly called the English rule, states that, in addition to fulfilling all other malicious prosecution elements, one must also prove injury other than the normal downside of being sued. This rule is limited to equitable damages, such as loss of profit, and excludes damages that cannot be measured by the law, for example, damage to reputation. Canadian Law Canadian jurisprudence has changed in that if any individual takes legal action that meets the above criteria, they may be sued. Legal action may be taken against the police or crown attorneys or the attorney general, as they are no longer exempt from suit. The tort of malicious prosecution was recently reviewed in 2009 by the Supreme Court of Canada in Miazga v. Cveo Estate, and specifically how it applied to public prosecutors in Canada. The court outlined the four required elements for the tort of malicious prosecution. 1. The prosecution must be initiated by the defendant. 2. The prosecution must be terminated in the plaintiff's favor. 3 there was a lack of reasonable and probable grounds to commence or continue the prosecution, and, 4, the defendant was motivated to commence or continue the prosecution due to malice. In 2014, 
the Quebec Court of Appeal held that the contents of plea bargaining negotiations held in the context of criminal cases could be admitted as evidence in the context of a civil suit for malicious prosecution, despite the general evidentiary rule prohibiting adducing settlement discussions into proof at trial. More specifically, the court held that introducing into evidence the contents of such negotiations was possible when it tended to demonstrate that the prosecution initiated or maintained criminal charges on the basis of improper motives. Limitations. Notably, the tort of malicious prosecution only protects the right of defendants to be free of frivolous lawsuits brought by malicious plaintiffs. For a variety of reasons grounded in public policy, courts have consistently refused to authorize the converse, a tort of malicious defense which would protect the right of plaintiffs to be free of frivolous defenses raised by defendants. At common law, criminal conversation, often abbreviated as crim. Con, is a tort arising from adultery. Conversation is an old euphemism for sexual intercourse that is obsolete except as part of this term. It is similar to breach of promise, a tort involving a broken engagement against the betrothed, and alienation of affections, a tort action brought by a spouse against a third party, who interfered with the marriage relationship. These torts have been abolished in most jurisdictions. The tort of criminal conversation was abolished in England and Wales in 1857, in Northern Ireland in 1939, in Australia in 1975, and in the Republic of Ireland in 1981. Prior to its abolition, a husband could sue any man who had intercourse with his wife, regardless of whether she consented, unless the couple was already separated, in which case the husband could only sue if the separation was caused by the person he was suing. Criminal conversation still exists in parts of the United States, but the application has changed. At least 29 states have abolished the tort by statute and another four have abolished it judicially. The tort of criminal conversation seeks damages for the act of sexual intercourse outside marriage, between the spouse and a third party. Each act of adultery can give rise to a separate claim for criminal conversation. Current Usage, United States The tort is still recognized in a number of states in the United States, although it has been abolished either legislatively or judicially in most. The tort has seen particular use in North Carolina. In the case of Cannon v. Miller, 1984, the North Carolina Court of Appeals, the state's intermediate appellate court, abolished the tort of criminal conversation, as well as the tort of alienation of affections, in the state. However, the North Carolina Supreme Court summarily vacated the Court of Appeals' decision shortly thereafter, saying in a brief opinion that the Court of Appeal had improperly sought to overrule earlier decisions of the Supreme Court. Cannon v. Miller, 1985. In 2009, the General Assembly approved legislation which placed some limits on such lawsuits. The bill was signed into law by Governor Bev Perdue on August 3, 2009, and is codified under Chapter 52 of the North Carolina General Statutes. Section 52-13. Procedures and Causes of Action for Alienation of Affection and Criminal Conversation. No act of the defendant shall give rise to a cause of action for alienation of affection or criminal conversation that occurs after the plaintiff and the plaintiff's spouse physically separate with the intent of either the plaintiff or plaintiff's spouse that the physical separation remain permanent. An action for alienation of affection or criminal conversation shall not be commenced more than three years from the last act of the defendant giving rise to the cause of action. A person may commence a cause of action for alienation of affection or criminal conversation against a natural person only. Each of the three limitations arose from a recent North Carolina legal case involving the tort. In Jones v. Skelly, 2009, the North Carolina Court of Appeals had held that the tort applies even to legally separated spouses. In Missenheimer v. Boris, 2006, the North Carolina Supreme Court held that the statute of limitation commences when the affair should have been discovered rather than when it occurred. 
In Smith v. Lee, the Federal District Court for the Western District of North Carolina noted that the question of whether an employer could be held liable for an affair conducted by an employee on a business trip was still unsettled in North Carolina, England and Wales. Initially, criminal conversation was an action brought by a husband for compensation for the breach of fidelity with his wife. Only a husband could be the plaintiff, and only the other man could be the defendant. Suits for criminal conversation reached their height in late 18th and early 19th century England, where large sums, often between £10,000 and £20,000, worth upwards of £1 to £2 million in today's terms, could be demanded by the plaintiff for the debauching of his wife. These suits were conducted at the Court of the King's Bench in Westminster Hall, and were highly publicized by publishers such as Edmund Curl and in the newspapers of the day. Although neither the plaintiff, defendant, nor the wife accused of the adultery was permitted to take the stand, evidence of the adulterous behavior was presented by servants or observers. A number of sensational cases involving members of the aristocracy gained public notoriety in this period. In the 1769 case of Grosvenor v. Cumberland, Lord Grosvenor sued the king's brother, the Duke of Cumberland, for criminal conversation with his wife, and was awarded damages of £10,000. In the 1782 case of Worsley v. Bissett, Sir Richard Worsley won a technical victory against George Bissett, but was awarded the derisory sum of only one shilling damages. The fact of adultery was not contested, but it was found that he had colluded in his own dishonor by showing his friend his wife, Seymour Dorothy Fleming, naked in a bathhouse. In 1796, the Earl of Westmeath was awarded £10,000 against his wife's lover, Augustus Cavendish Bradshaw. In 1807 Lord Clincurry brought a much-publicized action for criminal conversation against his former friend Sir John Pierce, and was awarded damages of £20,000. In 1836, George Chapel Norton sued Lord Melbourne, the Whig Prime Minister, for criminal conversation with his wife, Caroline, who had left him. The jury threw out the claim, but the negative publicity almost brought down the government. The Law School of America the content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution, Share Alike License. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America